Hey everyone and welcome to the I-5 Corridor's traffic report. Tyson Alger here joined by Shane Hoffman. It is September 12th. Week two of the college football season is done and dusted. Uh, that might have been my favorite weekend of Pac-12 football play in, in quite some time. Just the kind of a full breadth of uh, a variety in terms of, of games and upsets and overall is competence the right word to use here, Shane? Yeah, I mean, we 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 talked at the tail end of last week's pod about how, you know, even if the teams weren't maybe stacking up nationally, it just seemed like, especially because of all the transfer quarterbacks, that there was competency there and that therefore these teams were more fun to watch. Um, and I think this weekend was like another great, I mean, this was, like you said, a pretty, pretty banner weekend for the Pac-12, even though, and I know Wazoo gets that upset, we'll get into that wasn't a ton of crazy outcomes, but it, it did feel just like a solid weekend for the conference. You're uh you're you're watching from um Midwest, East Coast. Is there anything on this it like is is West Coast football resonating over there at all? Eric, or is it just is it full on East Coast bias? I mean, you know, the week one performances of Oregon and Utah definitely did not help. Yeah. Um so I wouldn't say it's resonating a ton yet. I think people were surprised about Washington State just because it's such a random program and it seemed like a game that Wisconsin was going to win 30-7. to um, And like I said, we will get into that because I do want to talk about that. But I, again, I think it's going to take a lot more time for the West Coast to kind of build up um, uh, any sort of resume. But I think for me, and, and also with the time difference, like I was I was watching BYU-Baylor until like 2 a.m. over here. Like Right. Yeah, that uh... – Oregon BYU is going to be a great game. Like that, that was an awesome, awesome atmosphere they had at, at BYU for that game. Um, that's a very competent team. I keep using the word competent, but it's, it's a very good team that isn't going to be afraid to face any Pac-12 opponent. Um, yeah, like that. That'll be. I, I think this will be kind of like the first like real game that we should grade uh, Dan Lanning's ducks on because I mean, obviously, you start with Georgia, and you know, I still think that. Georgia could probably beat like the number five team in the country 49 to three if they if they wanted to I think there's that big big of a gap between the top like three teams and everyone else um and then as as you as we kind of both wrote like what are you going to learn from eastern Washington like we I, I think the only thing that we could really kind of glean from that game is as you wrote today uh Troy Franklin's really good and I think he's 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 definitely Oregon's go-to guy for for wide receiving and skill positions as as well as uh Terrence Ferguson um, but yeah, yeah, I mean like the, the, my, my big, big takeaway from the Oregon game was just, it was just like, it was a get right game. They, they needed to have that kind of new coach, new era, go score a bunch of touchdowns, get the crowd behind you, kind of just to introduce yourselves to, uh, to the 2022 home, home football season. But yeah, Oregon BYU this coming week, like I, I think from, from here on it's game on for the ducks. Yeah. I'm actually pretty, I'm pretty bummed. I'm gonna be out of town for that one. I'm obviously going to be watching the entire thing from over here, um, but that's that's going to be a fun one in Austin. Um, it's fun too because I think BYU has the better quarterback. <laughs> um, they obviously don't recruit even close to the level Oregon does, but they're so well coached. Um, also, speaking of coaching, um, you know their coach was was rumored to be in the in the Oregon coaching search, so there's a storyline there. Um, and just all in all, I mean that's. You know, BYU's ranked. Oregon will probably be back in the rankings at some point. That's just a really solid non-conference game that should be competitive. And like you said, I actually will be paying specific attention to things and actually having probably 
more of a, like a list of takeaways um, rather than what we got, you know, this weekend. I, uh, I, I didn't come away any more impressed by Bo Nix. Um, you know, like, and, and he had a phenomenal game. I'm not criticizing him at all about how, how he played. Um, he had five touchdowns. I think he only had like three or four incompletions. Um, but he did have a couple passes that if they were playing Georgia again, very could have well, very well could have ended up as, as points for uh, the opposition. Um, I got myself into a bit of Twitter trouble because I had this tweet, uh, LOL at this crowd going nuts for Ty Thompson after Bo Nix leaves with five touchdowns. And apparently that struck a nerve with, with Oregon Twitter. Cause I just thought it was a funny moment. Like it's been two years of everyone like calling for Ty Thompson and it's usually after like bad performances. And then you finally get like a good, like an overall, like great performance from it, from a quarterback. And then like, that was the biggest cheer of the game. I thought it was just a funny reaction to, uh, for a group that, uh, collectively has wanted to see this guy play for two years. But, um, yeah, like I, I didn't, I didn't really see anything from Ty that made me go like this guy should be playing over over Bo. But you know, we never really saw saw them stretch the field. It was a lot of like dinks and dunks and and let this uh, let this physically superior team go go do its thing. Um, granted, you know they they probably don't want to show everything they have before BYU. But yeah, I, I think a lot of the same questions still remain after that one. Yeah, I mean, I I touched on the running backs too and. You know, the defense, even less to take away, I felt like. I mean, they were dominant. They looked much yeah. better. Specifically, I thought the tackling wasn't improved. But, again, it's not like you've got the same caliber of athlete over there. Um, so, yeah, that's why this – that's why non-conference schedule is so weird. And that's why I feel like it's got to be tweaked in the next couple of years because you go from that Georgia game to Eastern Washington, and it's like, did you learn anything in any game? It's, it's it, it just doesn't – yeah, I don't know. Go ahead. There – Oh, it just kind of like reminds me of um, it was it might have been this year because of the schedule got screwed up because of the baseball strike. But at one point or no, excuse me, it's whenever there's a team that goes over to Japan, they play like two weeks earlier before everyone else. And like there are teams still playing like spring training games. Like there was one year the Mariners started in Japan. They played two games there. Then they came back and still played like three more spring training games. And like that's kind of like how this vibe feels. It's like. Like I, I don't know. I I feel like that that the cupcake FCS opponent should be week one because I don't really know what you get out of it coming off of coming off of the Georgia game other than just you know let's let's build up the ego or build up the confidence of these guys a little bit. I can't believe you somehow snuck baseball into this podcast. It's it's but, uh, um, it's, it's it's Monday. I'm feeling good. I've had my coffee, man. Let's 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 go. <laughs> there you go. Um. So. I did this this I five, which I guess we're gonna do every week, where I kind of talked about um, some things yeah, across I, the conference. I, 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 I signed, we, I signed, I signed you up for that for for weekly now. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I guess it's more like the I four because the last thing is just power rankings, which we each did. And um, I wonder if we should just start there and use that as a way to start talking about some of these other teams. Uh, yeah, I, let's let's start with USC because I. After week one, uh, I thought it was funny that everyone was, you know, like we talked about like the Bill Plaschke column where he was saying like they're they're full on back and everything and they had played Rice. Uh, this week they they did the same thing to Stanford and as as you wrote, while this might not be, you know, the Stanford of a decade ago, it's still a well coached, competent program, especially in the trenches. And uh 
Yeah, I, I think USC is is going to be really good. I, I still have some questions about their defense, but again, as you said, it might not matter if they're going to be scoring thirty points per game. Yeah, that was kind of you know I I feel the same. Like I I was I didn't want to be the one to hop on USC right away um, because I thought they had a lot of flaws with this team, and again, those flaws could very well still come out. I'm sure at some point they will. Like again, Stanford, I think. You know, they you know they were awful last year outside of a few games. I think they were not the you know most foreign pick to be like a breakout ish team this year in the Pac-12 because they have a good quarterback or what we've been told is a good quarterback. He's had good moments and they have some weapons over there like they always do. I'm um, just some height on the outside, but I mean, obviously the 41 like they were scorching. I think it was mostly early too. I didn't watch you know too much of the game, but you know Caleb Williams is I, I think it's he's pretty clearly the best quarterback in the conference. Um, they probably have the best receiver in the conference. And I don't think it's even close to Jordan Addison. Die had a huge game and they have a ton of other guys that have been there. They got Austin Jones from Stanford. Who's like a backup. Now they have some other receivers. Um, and like I said, like they've had eight turnovers in two weeks. Again, it's not like groundbreaking teams they are playing. Um, but if they can just make, you know, it doesn't matter how many yards they love. If they can just force some turnovers and get the ball back to the offense, then like, I think USC is actually going to live up maybe to some um, of the hype that they were getting, you know, in the preseason where it seemed like, you know, pack it up now, like Lincoln Riley's here and, and it's already right. USC's to lose. They, they, uh, I, I, I'll bring up Plaschke again. He went from their full on back last week to this week. His column was they might be the best team in the country. Um, I think Georgia would probably still beat them by, probably 30 points at, at, at this point, you know, we'll, we'll, yeah, we'll, see how, we'll, we'll see how this group develops, but, uh, um, you know, you have to USC, find his piece from this week. Yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> he, he, he went all in man. Um, but you know, who, who knows, uh, that kind of that formula they're using of score a bunch of points and just be advantageous on defense that worked really well for, uh, for Oregon about a decade ago. So, um, yeah, they, they might have something down there. The, the other thing, and, and we keyed on it earlier, I would have never guessed that Washington State would upset a top 25 team on the road with 19 points. Not even 19. Or what, what, sorry, what was 17. it? 17. 17, oh my God, yeah, even less. <laughs> that was such a weird game. I watched most of the first half. So first off, like if you haven't, if you haven't, people listening, if you haven't watched Washington State this year. They have this guy, Cam Ward. Um, he transferred from FCS school. Uh, what's it called? In, incarnate. Incarnate World. Came, incarnate Ward, something like that. Yeah. Which is like, I, yeah, right. Who's even heard of that? He's like kind of a dual thread guy. They bring him in to run this coup grade, you know, up-tempo passing attack, kind of like the Leach, Mike Leach passing attack. It's just bubble screen after bubble screen. Like first play of the game. He just like beautifully leads this receiver in stride as he's coming around with like the orbit motion around um to 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 you know for, for the wide receiver screen and the guy gets like 60 yards and then the next play he like throws an interception. I was like, okay, that that's it, right? But no, like Wisconsin shot themselves in the foot over and over again, which is like again, that's probably more about Wisconsin than Washington State. But the fact that Washington State was on the road in that environment and actually like was the more disciplined team, um and then I actually, you know, I'm just hitting all the little things here. I actually thought their front seven looked kind of impressive because the one thing Wisconsin's always going to be able to do is run the ball. 
Yep. And the stats on paper, like they don't look amazing, but the eye test, like they got a ton of tackles for loss. They looked fast. They didn't look physically overmatched. And then it's like, you know, if they can just get a few big plays from that offense, which is still such a work in progress, because I don't think that quarterback ward is even close to being like a great quarterback in this conference yet. Um, then they could, they could play kind of spoiler again. I wonder if that's going to be the start of something or if it's more likely that that's going to be the peak of their season. Um, but they're intriguing. I didn't think I'd be saying that in week two after how close they played Idaho. Yeah. I mean like that, that's as, as you said earlier, like I feel like that's a game that Washington state could have easily lost by two touchdowns and nobody would have blinked an eye, uh, across the country. It just kind of, I don't think anyone was expecting the Cougs to do that. And, you know, you look around the rest of the conference, like I feel pretty good about Washington after two weeks. I know they still haven't played anybody, but like, it looks like they have a pretty darn good quarterback in Penix. Like, like that guy can sling it. He's athletic. Um, Oregon state had, if it wasn't for the Washington state win, uh, Oregon state at least had the, probably the most thrilling win. Uh, yeah. We're probably weekend. bearing the lead a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just uh, for, for them to go down to Fresno uh, to win in that fashion where they were lining up for a field goal to tie it to go into overtime. Fresno State tried icing the kicker, and that just gave Jonathan Smith too much time to think about it. And you give the ball to Jack Coletto, and all of a sudden, the Oregon State's 2-0, and uh, and right there in the thick of, of everything in the Pac-12 right now. Yeah, and you can nitpick how, how well, I guess, what level of, of good – were the teams they played, but they were good teams that they played. They were competent teams that we've used that word a thousand times now. Um, but, you know, so I actually, you know, we did our, you know, power rankings in this piece, whatever, like um, I, I had Oregon state higher than you. And I really, it's not even like, I think they're like, I don't even think it's a talent thing. And like, sure. They, they weren't like dominating except for like the first half of week one, but it's like this intangible feeling. I just like part of its expectations. Cause when you enter the season as like the cute Cinderella underdog, like everything feels better when you do nice things. Whereas Oregon's like going uphill against this like onslaught of expectation. But like, I just think Smith is such a good coach. He's been doing this, these kind of risk, you know, risky decisions that kind of change games for a few years now. Yeah. And they have some like really sound guys. And they also just like, they're kind of like the consummate, like, just like outperform their talent level college football team. So I feel like for the powering guy, I just, I just felt like, you know, throw them up there and we'll see how it shakes out. But I just like their coaching. And it's in, it, it, it's, it's nice to see a coach that's that his players believe in him so much. And he takes those risks and, and seems smart when I think coaching just seems like it's kind of down right now in general with some of the decisions you're seeing across even pro football. Yeah. It can be, it can be so formulaic. And, and the thing that, yeah, the thing that I think has Oregon State in such a good spot is, you know, th this has been like a slow rebuild. You know, it, it wasn't the same expectations of, I, I think, whoever comes into Oregon uh, with the Ducks, like, it's immediately expected, like, you got to get this thing back to, like, a Pac-12 title contending team, like, right away. It hasn't been that quick for Oregon State, but it seems that with every level that they they raise up, like, Smith, like, builds a new floor underneath them. Like, I don't see them regressing at all, and, and I do see, like, that... Um, you know, like a lot of those games that they've lost over the last couple of years where they've had like these like, you know, last last possession, end of fourth quarter um, drives that have either gone wrong or, or they haven't quite haven't quite, um, you know, gotten to the top of the mountain on that. Like, I think they've learned every step along the way. And, and if they can continue to get a little bit more talent in there each year, 
Um, I, I think this is a very foundationally strong program, and it's going to be fun to watch this year. I don't think that they're going to beat USC in two weeks, but who knows? They they smoked them. They they put up a lot of points against the Trojans last year. Yeah, I mean it'll be another like cool kind of clash of styles and also clash of like ideologies and like just like the way those teams were built like very homegrown foundation kind of you know growing something new um with Oregon State and then USC is kind of like the you know buying your team right like the free agents almost like the transfers and then just a lot of flash um and it's gonna you know well that's a great game to see how much substance is behind the flash USC has and like is this defense really gonna be enough is that offense, you know, going to do that to every team every week? Because who knows how good Stanford's defense is? It hasn't been great in years past, right? So I'm excited to be at that game. I think it's going to be really cool. Again, I don't think Oregon State should be, you know, favored to win. They'll probably be, I'd say, what, like, what do you think? Like between a seven and 10 point underdog in that? Does it get more than that? I bet you'll probably be 10. 10? Uh, we're not gonna we're not gonna do the whole thing about covering again on this podcast, but you know, <laughs> I think that'll be an interesting one. I'll put it that way. Uh, you got anything for me this week? Let's see. Um, it's been, a, it's, <laughs> it, it's been kind of a kind of a a weird time with with I think football writing. So I'm gonna throw out something different. We'll do some. Uh, there's a little a little food piece coming just to kind of shake some stuff up and have it not just be just football 24 seven. I, I, I appreciate that. I, I think, um, you know, that you, we, we write a lot about how the, like the Georgia game and the anticipation and focus for that, like, you know, it has an impact on players and like everyone on that team too. I think it has an impact on the media as well. Cause like for like the last eight months, it's been like one big storyline that has kind of just dominated everything. And so I, I think, uh, now that we're in kind of into the uh, the rhythm of the season and, and we have a little bit more time to branch out and do other things, I uh, I look forward to uh, to what you have coming. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, we get comments on the stories here and there, um, and it's obviously really cool to to see that. I think it'd be cool too. Like I know you do stuff every once in a while, but like as we like try out more stuff and try to vary the coverage. You know, obviously we had to go kind of hard on the football for a bit here, and we'll continue to. But like be cool to know from people listening and reading like what do they actually want to see more of because that is the one nice thing about being kind of independent is you can do kind of whatever you want and then I can kind of come in behind and, and have a lot of creative freedom um things to look out for this week um either Wednesday or Thursday I'm going to have a uh, a look back 10 years later at Thomas Tyner's record setting game at Aloha and a little bit of of where where he's been since um, there'll be a podcast accompanying that, um, either later today or tomorrow, we'll have, uh, uh, kind of, a uh, a piece looking at Cam McCork McCormick's, uh, return through kind of the perspective of his mother. And, uh, I think that might be it for plan pieces for this week, but I, I think, I think it's a good week of content and, uh, things are just going to keep rolling, especially if the ducks and beavers keep playing pretty good football. So uh anything else shane before we sign off not really if you're in portland and you are a foodie there'll be like i said there will be some sort of piece coming pretty soon that i might have some cool new recommendations for uh where to eat for you if you don't already know these places um but yeah other than that i'm i'm excited for the next few weeks of, of pac-12 football especially as these teams start to go against each other 
a lot of cool kind of uh, like I said stylistic clashes. If this thing starts out like voodoo donuts and <laughs> like like all the touristy things, it will be the last thing you write for the side chain. But I've I've already it'll read be it. yeah, pleasantly good. surprised. I'm looking forward to it. All right, thanks everyone for listening to this week's traffic report. Uh, we'll be back next week. Uh, have a good one. You're listening to the I-5 Corridor, hosted by...